create lasting change, inspire others, and make a difference. You have joined the Influencers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Donaldson, and each week you will hear from distinguished co-hosts and guests as they share insights into impacting our culture from your neighborhood to the nations. Brad Formsma is the author of the best-selling book, I Like Giving, and if you're like me, you're going to be saying, I like Brad, uh, the transforming power of a generous life and everyday generosity becoming a generous family in a selfie world. He is the founder of I Like Giving, an organization which inspired more than, get this, 120 million people in 170 countries to live generously. Brad helps leading businesses and churches around the country increase engagement, improve health, and increase giving through messages like Seven Ways to Live Generously. He's had the opportunity to speak to hundreds of thousands of people at corporations, conferences, churches, and community events. And he also serves families in helping them to facilitate a one-day experience called Generosity for Generations, bringing multiple generations of family together to discuss generosity so that their story and values live on. Brad, what a joy it is to have you today. Oh, it's great to be here, Dave. Well, why don't we start by just getting acquainted. Uh, What was your original business background? Well, ever since being a little kid, I just had that entrepreneurial spirit about me. Uh, In high school, I started a business in the landscape architecture design world. Of course, that sounds fancy. I started with a lawnmower, okay? (laughs) And quickly moved into realizing I love change. I love to uh, make things look better, but I really love the connection with people, the customer. And so I built that company for over 20 years and in the process looked back on how my grandpa had modeled the generous life for me. And I think what's important about that is if I ask the question, what do you think about when you think about generosity? What comes to mind? Oftentimes money comes to the top of the list and hang on, somebody's going to try to get something from me. And Grandpa modeled more this lifestyle of generosity, which really was kind of neat because he showed me through his example that you could be generous with your thoughts towards others and yourself. Yeah, that's a funny one, being generous with thoughts to yourself. Because God does tell us, right, Dave, love your neighbor as yourself. And sometimes I mm. kind of feel sorry for my neighbor. Mm, <laughs> I'm not feeling the best about myself or, you know, whatever that self-talk is. But um, Grandpa really modeled generosity of time and his influence and his money. And that's important, too. I don't want to dismiss that. But, uh, yeah, that was really kind of, for me, what happened. And then this business grew, and I loved it, but there was something missing. And in 05, I had quite quite a moment that shifted the trajectory of my life forever. Now, how did that lead to starting I Like Giving? Well, so I was out on a run. I lived in Ada, Michigan at the time. So they have these, what they call natural beauty roads, which is code for uh, 
dirty, muddy, uneven, rocky. Don't you love how we name things? <laughs> and I remember praying this prayer, you know, God, what would you have me do? What do you want me to do? And I got a vision, an impression, if you will, that he was going to use me to encourage people in their giving, which would result in them having greater hope and joy in their life. And I mean, Dave, I was like, what do you do with that? I hardly left town for spring vacation with my business. And so I went home and journaled that. And it wasn't long before he began to change things in my life. And I, my interest in the business went away. I ended up selling it. And I always say, I sold a service business in Michigan. So it wasn't like I sold for $25 million and now I've, let's find something fun to do, like generosity. You know, you know I, I got out pre-recession. That's good. But um, I still work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, what have you learned about living generously after studying that topic uh, for 15, 20 years? Well, what I found is that these seven ways that I talk about living generously, generous with thoughts and words and money, along with our influence and our time and attention and our, the way we share our stuff, it's something that we can do daily, weekly, monthly. So wherever you are, this is what I love about it, wherever you are, you can play. I, I can wake up in the morning and say, here are these seven ways of a framework. Of course, there could be 70, right? But we're just saying there's, the, if you think about through the lens of these seven ways, you interact with people all day long. And how can we live outside of ourself? And for me, what I've found is every time I give in one of those ways, the focus goes off of Brad and onto another, and I'm just, I'm better. Walk us through that. You know, what are the seven ways to living generously? Yeah, so generosity of thoughts, what we think about ourselves and what we think about others. And then generosity of words. I can build somebody up with my words. I suspect those that are listening could think back to when someone was not generous or hurtful with their words, whether it was last week or 10 years ago. But we can also remember times when somebody affirmed us like it was yesterday. So generosity of words and then generosity of money. And that matters because I see it connected to our heart. Every time I give, my heart softens and I seem to have less of a drive for material. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like nice stuff. You drove over in my convertible. I mean, I, I appreciate nice things, but I also like to share them. So generosity of money, it's, a, it's a, something I love to do, and I continue to want to be stretched in it. I, I try to give more every year. Uh, and then generosity of influence. Man, that's such a big one because we all have influence, whether it's in our family or in our community or our business or government or education. I mean, we, if you start really thinking about the influence that we all have, it's spectacular. And we can help somebody get to where they need to get going. That's, that's generous. You know, in the Bible, it talks about how we all have a field. And that field, it represents our time, talent, and resources. And, you know, even if you have a small field or a big field, the principle still applies. 
You know, if God can get it through you, he'll give it to you. And he's looking for people that will trust him to be a conduit through them of all the things that you discuss, everything from kindness to, you know, funds, their talent, their time. And uh, the world would say, you know, that uh, if you give, let's say, 10% to your church as a tithe and and maybe give 10% to a nonprofit organization, you have 80% left to pay your bills. That's the world. But the Bible says that he will expand our field. He will expand our capacity to give and to serve. And it's so true, isn't it? So true. If God can get it through you, he'll give it to you. Boy, that's a tweetable line for your show. You know, (laughs) Dave, the last three, generosity of time, we all have that 168-hour cut. And so one of my old missionary friends would say, you know, one of the devil's greatest tricks is to get you to do the good God didn't call you to do. And I think that's a powerful thought. What, what am I supposed to do? Uh, he's the creator of the universe. He can guide us what to do. But I think we have to be willing to ask him and then listen. And then generosity of attention. This is one mm. I actually wish, Dave, I would have left out. It's my hardest one. Mm. It, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I carry around this six-ounce piece of glass, plastic, and technology <laughs> called the iPhone. Mm-hmm. It's like the anti-attention device. And we were out for dinner, my wife and I. It was supposed to be date night, right? And we're looking around this nice restaurant, and I make the idiot observation, look at all these people who went out to dinner with their cell phones. And she smiles and she says, yeah, like you. Ouch. Mm. You know, it, it's just a reminder when we give someone 100% of our attention, even if it's albeit for a minute, it's a powerful form of being generous. And then the last one is the way we share our stuff. And of course, that all has all different lines, right? You can your neighbor knocks on the door and says, I'm making chocolate chip cookies and I'm a few eggs short. You know, you kind of skip to the fridge and help them out. Cause you, and you might be thinking I might get a cookie out of the deal. <laughs> but if they're back two weeks later and they're like, uh, I noticed you got a new car. Mine's going to be in the shop for a week. Could I use your car? You know, all of a sudden it just starts to get a little uncomfortable. And I'm not the police for what to share and not share. My role is to bring attention to an idea and have you consider how do you share the stuff you have and what happens inside of you when you are willing to share something that might come back not quite how you lent it out. What goes on inside of us? Who owns this stuff? So anyway, that's when I look at those seven ways, it just gives me a lot of energy for modeling it to my kids and living this. And I miss all the time. And all you have to do is ask me for stories on that. Generosity of attention. I, I've never heard that before. Uh, by the way, I, you know, I think it's a well-named iPhone. And I remember my daughter, when she was younger, she came home and she was really excited. And, and she said, Daddy, I want to tell you what happened today. And I, would, I was there buried in a magazine and uh, didn't look up, and she said, Daddy, I want to tell you what happened today. It's, you know, it's exciting. And again, I'm glued to this magazine, and I said, I'm listening, I'm listening. And she said this, Daddy, 
Will you listen to me with your eyes? Oh, my word. And the reality is that we have the attention span of a goldfish. That's a fact. And I love that, though. A generosity of attention, being in that moment. And, uh, I mean, that's how we want to be treated. Thank you for sharing that story with me because I... That's honest. That's vulnerable. And I think when we're that way, I think we catch ourselves more. I don't only have just the cell phone uh, at the restaurant date night with my wife story. You know, I picked up my daughter a couple months ago and we're riding home from school. And, you know, she's in eighth grade, Dave, and I have two older sons. And I didn't know this, but eighth grade girls have drama. I, I, it, it just caught me off guard. And so she was explaining the drama of the day. And I had my little white ear pods in because I might have to take a call. So I'm already sending the message. I'm not being fully present with my attention. And she, the whole way home, pours her heart out on what's going on in her life. And we pull in the driveway and she goes, Dad, you're not here. And like a goofball dad, I tried to sell my way out of it, which, you know, that really works well, doesn't it? Not. <laughs> so I tell her, oh, I had an important call that might have come in and this or that. And uh, it took me four hours to humble myself and crawl up to her bedroom and just own it and, and apologize. And that that's not fun to do. But if you miss it and you will, get it right because they'll remember. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. L- Dad, listen to me with your eyes. Wow. You know, as it relates to giving, I remember uh, speaking at a church in Florida, and I was making a financial appeal for Convoy of Hope. Uh, there was a disaster, and, and in addition uh, to that, we have a feeding program that feeds kids uh, all over the world. And afterwards, uh, this couple... Uh, They walked up to the front, and they had a check in their hand. And they said, we want to give you this as part of our offering. But they said, you need to know what this check was going to be used for before today. We were going to get a divorce. And they said, as you shared about serving others, that this is not about you, we looked at each other, and we said, that's why we're getting a divorce, because it's been about us. And so together, we're going we're gonna to begin to impact this world as a couple and give out. And, and they said, this check that was going to go to an attorney tomorrow to file for our divorce instead is going to Convoy of Hope to help people in need. Oh, my word. <laughs> what yeah. a powerful story. That's so good. So, Brad, walk us through just one more time. What the seven, again, just in review. Yep. Generosity of thoughts and words. Okay. Then generosity of money and influence. And then that's followed by generosity of time and attention and finishes out with the way we share our stuff. And you'll often look into your life after you've heard these seven identified. It'll reset your view and your thought on what generosity is. 
and you'll start to notice where even they weave together, or maybe it's money and influence, or words and influence. You know, you'll start to see them self-identify in your life. And all I love to say, get your antenna working. You know, in my book, I write about the the concept of the nudge. We down deep down inside of us, there's there's this thought: I should respond. And you got to you got to follow it because after 10 seconds, you start to justify why it's not a good time or maybe you shouldn't step into it. And just yesterday, I got a text from a lady named Delba. When we lived back in Michigan, she worked at the Chipotle and my wife and I would regularly go there and she was always on the line and a little bit of a hi, how you doing? Move to first names, move to connection a little more just you know here's our kids this the family go in there well one day my wife and I were having lunch on the way out of town and I always kept a hundred dollar bill folded over kind of a fresh crisp honey bee as they say and uh, I said to my wife I just keep getting this nudge to give Delba the hundred dollars I don't know why but are you okay with that you know she's like yeah so Delba came by our table I said Delba I just had this feeling to, to give this to you And the tears started to roll down her face. She said, how did you know? I said, what do you mean, how did I know? She said, well, a half hour ago, I was in talking to my boss that rent was due, and I was short about $100. Could I get my check early? Mm. And he said, Delba, I can't do that. If I do it for you, I've got to do it for everybody. And she said, I was stuck. How did you know? Well, I believe we have divine giving opportunities all around us. But I submit we got to get our antenna working, and we get to get our antenna working. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, I didn't like leaving town without my emergency 100 when I travel, but I was pretty convinced I probably wasn't going to need it. (laughs) Mm. That's awesome. And the Bible is very clear that we are to give not out of a heart of, you know, anger, obligation, manipulation— but out of a heart of thanksgiving. And so when we're giving to people like that that are in need, uh, it should be a heart that says, God, thank you that I have food on my table for my kids or grandkids, a roof over our head, clothing. And so I'm grateful for all of that. And out of that gratitude, out of that abundance, uh, I want to give as one who is thankful. Let's talk about that. Oh, well, for sure. You know, in the Bible, God says, I love a cheerful giver. Don't give out a duty or compulsion. And I'm not a theologian, but this is my one shot at it. (laughs) I heard from several strong theologians that the only time in the New Testament where God tells us what he loves is when he says, I love a cheerful giver. Mm. What's exciting about that is if I'm a grumpy giver or a no giver, He's in the business of changing hearts. And so instead of just plowing through and giving like it's an invoice, check your heart. If your heart's off, if your heart's cold and you're not giving or you're just grumpy giving out of duty and obligation, take a moment, bring it to the creator of the universe. He'll position you into being a cheerful giver. And the exciting thing about a cheerful giver is It's like the proverb, the world of the generous get larger and larger, Mm -hmm. but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You pick. 
You mm. pick. Mm. He gives he gives seed to the sower. Yep, he'll keep replenishing it. And he's looking for people with that kind of faith and generosity. Now, I'm sure we have owners of companies, pastors of churches, leaders of nonprofits that are listening to this Influencers podcast. Share with us how you are helping uh, companies, churches, nonprofits in this whole world of generosity. Well, what I've found is that not everybody goes to church, but almost everybody goes to work. And whether or not we recognize it, we bring our hearts to work. If the culture is set up in a way that it's servant serving others oriented, I often find myself at companies reinforcing the culture and the values that are already there. And they're they're having me in to talk about ways to help their employees daily, weekly, monthly bring these seven ways of living generously to work. And I, what I like about it is it follows them home. I was at a big hardware store chain, Do It Best Hardware Store, and what happened was they had me in with their 180 senior people, and I did a 40-minute conversation on the seven ways, and then we broke off into groups of 10. And I posed a few questions to them. And one of the questions was, who first modeled generosity to you? And Dave, it was so cool because I would walk around to these different clusters of people and you would see laughter. You'd hear laughter. You'd see tears. You'd just hear the tears. And you realize that the employees were having an opportunity to go way back into their life and think about who Who put their fingerprints on them? Who first modeled things to them? And what we find is that people begin to get relationally connected. They learn things about each other. They change their perspective by giving someone the benefit of the doubt. I mean, we've all been in work environments where somebody drives us nuts. Well, you know, definition of insanity, continue to let that person drive you nuts in your head. Or perhaps see them as a human being, find out that Joe, who's been kind of a pain in your neck, you realize Joe lost his dad at 15. And Joe's answer to that question with a group of colleagues was at 16, my uncle picked me up. We went to a used truck store and he pulled out $2,000 that he explained to me he had been saving. And he wanted to help me get a truck because he knew my dad would have done that. Mm. And all of a sudden, Joe the jerk turned into Joe the person. And in that process, they began to realize, you know what? We're all really in this together. They saw beyond the crust. And so as we go into organizations, we say, we're better together. Let's work together on these. And then when we see somebody modeling one of these seven ways, point it out. Share it. doesn't have to take a lot of time. So that's what we do in the marketplace, um, you know, business world. I love that. You know, uh, this Saturday, uh, we have uh, our daughter, Barbara, who is getting married. And uh, we met her when she was 16 years of age. Uh, She was in the foster care system. And we were considering becoming foster parents. And in the natural, we said to each other, we don't have room 
in our lives. We don't have time. We don't have actual space. But as we prayed about it, God said, I want you to make room. And I believe that the enemy is using the fears of, of really scarcity, uh, the, the fear of this is going to make, make my life inconvenient. And so what's happening is God says, I want you to leave the corners of your life for the poor, for the needy. Hmm. But yet we're exceeding those corners. And so I believe there are people listening today that God is quickening in a very, not in a con- condemning way, but is saying, you may say you don't have room to give and to serve. I want you to make room. And if we will make room, then again, he will expand. He will expand our giving, our serving, and then he just keeps on multiplying that. But you know, in 1969, a family took in my family after a serious accident where my dad was killed, mother was debilitated. In this family, they didn't have much. They didn't have a big field. They had a single wide trailer. They took four kids in. And because they modeled that, as you're talking about, with your family, modeling generosity, but because the Davises modeled generosity, many, many years later, we have the opportunity to open our home to a 16-year-old girl Mm. that when we first met her, she had her arms over her face. She was so scared and, Mm. and had been abused, neglected. But now beautiful trophy of God's love, graduated with honors from college, marrying a wonderful Christian young man uh, this Saturday. Oh, it's true. If God can get it through you, he'll give it to you. Now, the last question I want to ask you is the wow factor. I think what we just <laughs> talked about is a lot of wow. But share with us, what is this wow factor? Well, Dave, thank you for sharing that story. Uh it touches me. I'm like over here. My eyes are leaking as I'm listening to this. What a special week. And I just have a word that I feel like I should share. Um, it's not one out of judgment. It's encouragement. When we move from awareness to action, impact happens. You see, I call it the generosity ripple. We never know. When we do something, how it's going to ripple out. You just described how this one family brought four kids in. But that continues to ripple out, and it gets more impact. It's touched your heart to be more generous. You're focused on wanting more people to experience the joy of giving. And so here's the word. A lot of us are experiencing more abundance than ever. We've been on a nice ride lots of 08, 09 amnesia. And we've started to have more piles of resources around than we've had in a long time or ever. And I believe it's extra special to pay attention and be prayerful about how and when to deploy those. I believe God's testing us to see how we're going to do that. And uh, it's an exciting thing. Don't hear it as one of judgment from me. Just say, yeah, you know what? I kind of keep creating a new number. That's my high watermark. But maybe God would have you do as you describe and start to uh, cut those corners and deploy resources. And it's important to note, moving money into your foundation or your donor advised fund is good short term, but it's, 
it's kind of moving it from one pocket to the other. It should be deployed. And that's, that's meant to be encouraging, uh, not discouraging. So over the years, Dave, I've had the opportunity to interact with a lot of good-hearted business leaders across America. And one of the things I found is that we would have amazing conversations in their living room and at dinner and breakfast, but those conversations fell to the floor. Well, my son came to me one day, he's 18, going on 28, and he said, Dad, you've been given relationship with neat people, and they trust you, and you care about them, and I think that you should start a podcast called The Wow Factor. Words of wisdom is what the wow stands Mm -hmm. for, from extraordinary business leaders, extraordinary leaders. And so what I've done is we started this podcast. We actually launched it recently. And we find that we're looking for good-hearted business leaders. And the idea is to let them share their story. Where were they brought up? What was high school like? And move through college. And then begin to get into the setbacks and successes of their life. Ultimately, getting towards the end of the show to be able to say, what's your word of wisdom for a leader today? Because peers influence peers. We learn from each other. And so it's been really fun to do that and to take the effort to be able to give somebody the opportunity to share their story. I've been quoted as saying, if you don't share your story, you bury your story. Now, that makes some people uncomfortable because none of us really want to think about checking out. But there's an opportunity with technology today to share your story, your kids and grandkids want to know about you. And I would leave it like this. My grandpa, who modeled so much to me, one day he held up a piece of paper at his office. And I'm 11 years old, and there's a list of all these organizations that he gave to. And I remember the number on the bottom having some zeros and commas, which I wasn't so familiar with. I would pay to have that sheet of paper today Mm. because I don't really know exactly where he gave. And what I've learned with being with many, many influential, wealthy families across the country is their kids and their grandkids don't know where they give and why. And I'd love to be able to, to lightly challenge you to move towards that, start to start. Give them a little information. Maybe leave the amount off to start. But identify, I give to CityServe, and this is why, and this is what they do. Model for them how you understand investment, because giving is investing. My old friend Stanley Tam, he's 104. He's given over $130 million away in his life. You know why? He made one decision. I'm going to give half of all my money away. Once he made the decision... He was ready to just deploy it. And he always says this, Dave. I just put it in the bank account of heaven instead of the Bank of America. (laughs) And I love that investment picture. Mm -hmm. And behind the plume of a big cigar, he's a big Dutch guy. He said, Bradley, God often gives you money so you can give it. And he brings it back so you can do it again and again. Now, I don't know how he brings it back. Never quite figured that out, but it seems to come back and more. Well, that's a great adventure. That's the great adventure. I mean, you you think of this, 
young boy that had the loaves of bread and fish. Jesus sees this multitude. They're hungry. He's moved with compassion. He deploys his disciples to find food. They find this lad who's about to have a good lunch. Instead, he decides to give that good lunch to the disciples. Jesus takes it, multiplies it. And what it comes down to is this. If you want to have a good lunch, if you want to have a good life, an ordinary life, keep it. <laughs> keep it all. But if you want to experience an extra extraordinary God that wants to accomplish the extraordinary through you, give it away. Give it to Jesus. Watch him multiply it to change your world. Now, Brad, let's conclude with uh, sharing with us about your book. Mm-hmm and also how we can find information about your new podcast. So the book, I Like Giving, is available at Amazon, of course, and uh, you can also buy it at the ilikegiving.com website, where you can also see 18 short generosity films that, as you mentioned, have been viewed over 120 million times. My podcast, The Wow Factor, is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Brad, it's been great to have you on the Influencers Podcast, and thank you for inspiring us about generosity. And uh, thank you also to our producers, uh, Christiane Debussing, Dan Ballard, at the Gold Pacific Studios in Newport Beach. I hope you enjoy listening to Influencers on the Charisma Podcast Network. Join us next week for another thought-provoking episode. And remember to use your influence to move people closer to Jesus. Jesus.